It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. This is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew Robertson, staff writer, podcast host, friend of yours on the internet and in your earbuds. And today uh, we are doing another episode of the Why I'm a Mariners Fan series. I uh, do not know how many more of these we will be doing as the season gets closer and we'll have to talk about actual baseball, but we have made some time for a very special guest today. I am joined by a local musician who has an album coming out on April 7th and is playing a show on April 30th at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard, but most importantly is a true to the blue fan of the Seattle Mariners, the one and only Tomo Nakayama. What's going on, Tomo? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I have. I feel like I've almost made it to the point in life where things start to make sense again. You know, in terms <laughs> right. of the calendar and baseball being here and the weather not being just a total shit show every day. So sure. I feel I can feel it. You know, we're almost there. Yeah, and we got Taiwan back today, right? That is the big news of the day. Yeah, yeah. we are recording this on the 12th, and uh, pitchers and catchers have reported, and Taiwan Walker is one of those pitchers. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think. It's as official as it'll get. Uh, I think it's a one-year deal with some incentives, but Taiwan Walker is here. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Are you a big Taiwan Walker I, guy? I feel great, man. That's like a you know, win-win situation, I think. I mean, he, he looked really great for us for 
years, right? And then um, I guess what is, it's a one-year deal, you said? Uh, yeah, I believe so, it's like one year, $2 million. And yeah. then if he pitches well enough, there's some incentives that he can qualify for. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty low risk, and he's such a good dude, you know? Seems like. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where where I am too. Like I am totally aware of the fact that he's not going to be like a great pitcher. He could be fine, but like he had some injury stuff, and then you know he's been pretty much out for all of last year. But the good guy part is really the reason why I'm so excited because for this upcoming season, I just want guys that I enjoy watching and can root for. I don't really. Yeah. I know we're not going to win very much, so <laughs> might as well give us some entertainment value. You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how are you feeling, I guess, before we get into the actual reasons for your fandom, how are you feeling right now on the, on the first day of spring training? What is that What is that day every year sort of drum up inside of you? You know, I honestly, I kind of took 2019 off, <laughs> like mentally <laughs> from like caring, uh, you know, uh, just, just obsessively watching the Mariners because um, it seemed like a, a good season to kind of like <laughs> take a little space. Um so I'm I'm I feel ready again to to have my heart broken all over again. So. No, I, I totally get that. I've talked to a lot of people who have mentioned that you know after 2018 where it looked like they were going to make the playoffs and the bottom falls out and then they basically gut the roster. That was when a lot of people I think like yourself it sounds like took stock of their situation and were like maybe this is my my year to not care as much or to <laughs> find another hobby from March through October. <laughs> Well, they they kind of peaked early with uh, with each row retiring, you know, and then and then it was just uh, it was it was hard to just get too attached to anyone on the roster. So I mean, I kept an eye on on the games and everything, but it was it was hard to feel like a personal attachment to, you know, like like Edwin Encarnacion, you know, like right. uh, it, I, I really like that dude, but then he was gone like midseason, and so it was hard to like really care. <laughs> No, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, yeah. I am someone who, like, because of what I do for Lookout Landing, I do have to pay attention. But I was, like, even at the point in June and July where I was, like, I don't, A, really know anything about these guys. And then, B, like, that makes it pretty hard to get, like, invested. Like, I was watching, but I didn't have the, like, the same sort of attachment that I would like when my favorite players will mess up I'm like oh I feel bad for them but when the 2019 Mariners messed up I was like oh you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> par for the course yeah yeah so I guess it was it was like a pretty like light-hearted season to watch you know what I mean because expe- expectations were low so <laughs> yeah low expectations are usually a good um, <laughs> setting for like avoiding disappointment you know if you go in expecting 65 wins then if they hit even 66, we'll be thrilled, you know? Right, yeah. So, uh, have you, are you a Seattle lifer? Or is your fandom as simple as growing up here and being plopped down in front of the TV listening to Dave Niehaus, or is it more complicated than that? Take me back to when you first became aware of the Seattle Mariners. Um, well, so I was, I was born in Japan, and then I moved okay. here in uh, 1988. I was uh, seven, or I was eight years old. And... Um, I don't think my family was really into baseball too much, but then I started playing uh, Little League um, in uh, second grade. I grew up on the east side in Bellevue. And um, then I think my parents took me to the kingdom. Um, My first memory of it is like 1990, I think, was when I got really into... I I started understanding the rules of the game, you know, and then... 
Um, I just always grew up with it. And then because I was playing uh, Little League, my parents got into baseball as well. And uh, and we just, it, it just kind of became a family thing that we did together, you know. But, uh, yeah, like I went to all the camps, summer camps and stuff. Like Seafirst Bank used to do a baseball camp. And, okay. one, and one year I got to go when uh, Edgar Martinez was uh, was uh, one of the instructors. And so I played catch with Edgar. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, that was 91, I think. Um, so it was like, uh, yeah, it was the year he sh- uh, shaved his mustache. <laughs> 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 and, and he really became Edgar Martinez, you know, like... Um, uh, it was it was when he switched from uh, third base to DH, and um, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just have a lot of childhood memories of uh, of uh, watching them. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds. I mean, people always talk about when Edgar switched from third base to DH. That was a big turning point. But I think you've uncovered some other things with the mustache and then also <laughs> playing catch with a young Tomo. That might have actually got his career on the right track did you give him any tips or anything or just a standard throw the ball back and forth situation (laughs) so i was kind of a numbers nerd even when i was a kid and uh i remember like when he uh, he asked if we had any questions and i kind of put him on the spot because i said so last year you had 40 errors at third base and this year you uh it went down to i I can't remember i think it was like 11 or something Uh really low and i was like how did you (laughs) how did you improve your defense and uh uh yeah i i think he just said hard work and practice or something like that but it, <laughs> it you know uh, he actually was a pretty great third baseman um uh for a couple of years before he he got hurt you know and then switched to dh but yeah yeah i uh i don't have any story that that's that's that romantic i guess with uh, <laughs> With the Mariners or any sort of, like, obviously Edgar Martinez is, like, the guy for the entire franchise, but I remember uh, one time when I was in probably second or third grade, uh, I was actually at a a batting cage in Bellevue with my baseball team, and Shigatoshi Hasegawa was there with his kid. Was it at Dave Henderson's uh, batting cage, the... I do not know. I was a child. <laughs> oh, I bet you it was because he 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 used to he used to run one in Bellevue. Huh. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. I'm blanking on the name of the place now too, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's it's certainly possible that it was that. But anyway, uh, like we were there as a team with our like organized practice, you know, and then uh-huh. Shiggy was there with his like his kid in like a private sort of cage setting. But obviously, like once one person noticed that he was there, everyone started watching, <laughs> and everyone was watching when he accidentally hit his kid. Like he was pitching to him, <laughs> and he drilled him with a pitch. And we were all like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, it's almost like, you know, when you see, like, something, like, when you're a kid and you see, like, a teacher outside of school or you hear your parents swear and you're like, whoa, this is, this has never happened before. Like, everything, (laughs) everything is now different. That's exactly what it felt like. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, there's no, I don't have any, like, deeper meaning to that story. I just, your, your thing with Edgar reminded me of it. Um, Sure. Yeah. So, 
you mentioned Edgar, obviously, and you know, growing up, coming of age, I guess, in the uh, in the early '90s. Who were uh, who were some of your guys on the team? Did you have favorite players that you think helped you sort of understand baseball more? Or my yeah. personal favorite, a guy who, when you got older, you realized wasn't actually very good. But oh, at the totally. Time, he was he was your favorite. <laughs> my favorite player, and I actually dressed as him for Halloween um, when I was in third grade, was uh, Pete O'Brien, the first baseman. who was was not good at all i realized uh later but uh i just really liked he he always looked like he was like laughing when he was when he was uh hitting Mm -hmm. and uh he just made the game look fun and uh so i really he i don't know why i was i was really a big pete o'brien fan and (laughs) i also liked uh mike jackson the reliever Mm -hmm. um his his slider was was pretty amazing um he 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 had a couple different stints with the mariners i think but um yeah i don't know i i just i i have a lot of love for like so i think what was it 90 i think was the first year we had a winning season <laughs> it, it was the lefevre believer year uh-huh. and uh and i remember it being like a huge deal you know like even it was before we had the whole 95 thing you know so that was kind of our high point was like oh we we got we got 500 for the first time (laughs) yeah well when you go through i mean the entire 80s they didn't do anything yeah it makes sense it's funny in retrospect like a team celebrating just getting to 500 but at the time like you really couldn't blame them and you know that the the franchise as a business was excited about it like that was the best thing they'd ever accomplished (laughs) yeah 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 and maybe that's, I mean, that might be why I, I got really hooked on it, you know, it was like it felt like a big moment, <laughs> you know, like that, that things were looking up and uh, and that sports could do that, you know, like that that you, you could accomplish something that uh, that no one in the, in the history of the franchise had done before. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So, And then speaking of which, are you then still here, still in the area in 95? Yeah. Are you How involved are you in that season? Like, Do you have memories of being at the Kingdom for any of those games? 95? Oh, yeah. Um, no, I wasn't at the games, but I remember watching them um, with my friends um, at, uh, yeah, at my friend's house. And... Um, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a crazy season. It just kept it kept ramping up, you know. And there's like, um, how old was I? I, th- I was in middle school or something. So I I had I understood like how improbable it was, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, just it just felt um, inevitable at the same time that they were just such on a roll, you know. <laughs> It it reminds me a lot of of like the the Seahawks uh, when they went to the the Super Bowl, right? Um, it it you know just even when when they were behind, it was it was you felt like they were gonna have something up their sleeve and and uh, and yeah, I remember just like watching watching that that hit you know Edgar's hit and um yeah just freaking out but i mean i my my family um we we watched all the games but you know we couldn't we couldn't really uh afford to go to the playoff games or we weren't hardcore enough to get (laughs) get season tickets and stuff like that so a lot of it was was tv and and you know that was the golden age of of dave niehaus and 
you know, uh, and 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 television really. It was it was a uh, it was free and it was on a uh, channel eleven. <laughs> so I'd just yeah. be watching it every day after school. Yeah. Do you ever think about? how like if things had broken differently for the Mariners if you would have gotten that invested like obviously if you know if the if the winning season never comes or if 95 never comes or even if there's no Dave Niehaus do you think that you would have maybe kept them at arm's length a little more and that like those factors all kind of combined to make something magical for lack of a better word I mean yeah definitely uh I I don't I think I think Dave was was more of a factor than the players in some sense you know what i mean like just the the way he told the stories and explained the game and i i really like learned baseball through him you know what i mean and um but but just those 90s uh teams were pretty incredible just the like well having griffey and then there were such big personalities, you know, and uh, and there was a story behind each guy, and I just uh, I don't know, yeah, I I I I, I don't think the the winning um, made so much of a difference to me as much as just like the the storytelling and the the people, you know, that were involved. Those players become uh, announcers, you know, like Harold Reynolds and Dave Valley and Bill Kruger and stuff, and just like seeing the same faces over again, it just feels really like a, f- a family, you know. <laughs> and then getting to like watch those dudes get older and and uh, yeah, it it just it's I liked seeing that kind of like passed on through generations and stuff. So I've always appreciated that about baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, especially with the Mariners, there's like the familial element is so there because A, they're not a very old franchise. I mean, they've only been around since the late 70s. But also like with the sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, like the sustained badness, like it kind of creates (laughs) the like, you know, if you if you know, you know, sort of phenomena where like these people that you mentioned, like, you know, Harold Reynolds, Dave Valley, Bill Kruger, like Dan Wilson now is doing some broadcasting stuff like they could all easily just live their lives. But like they know that the Mariners are so important to people's lives and probably to their lives that I think that's probably a big thing that keeps them around the game is like the Mariners are not just their job. It's like a thing that they did that has shaped them and they want to also continue to be a part of it. And also like I read literally today, again, it's February 12th. Um, Franklin Gutierrez is like at spring training working with yeah, the outfielders yeah. and like uh-huh. he doesn't have to do that, you know, no. but he, there's something in him that's like, Oh yeah, the Mariners are meaningful to me. They I'm guessing treated him well enough for him to be like, yeah, I'll give back, you know, I'll go hang out in spring training and work with the outfielders. Like I know that it's not, you know, other franchises could bring back, you know, like the Yankees and Dodgers and mm-hmm. Red Sox can bring back Hall of Famers to talk to their players and the Mariners just have, you know, Franklin Gutierrez and Dan Wilson or whatever, but that still feels like those guys do kind of feel like superheroes in a way because they were here, like they were in the trenches with this sort of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Totally, man. And and especially guys like Franklin who like had so much potential and so much hardship in their careers who like never fully reached their potential but but like you were with them you know through their journey 
like he's like the quintessential mariner <laughs> yeah a lot of ways you know and and like the the stats don't matter so much as like the just if if you if you had seen him in his in his peak like you know how great of a player he was you know and like what and and the fact that like the mariners stuck with him and he stuck with the mariners like that that kind of stuff like means means more than um you know like i i think that's why there's so there was so much hate towards a rod when he left <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. because there weren't that many players that just purely left for money you know and uh and it and it and it hurt you know like on a personal level like it really like felt like a huge betrayal <laughs> you know yeah no there's no doubt but it's interesting like i'm sure you've experienced this too like once you get older and you understand how these things work, I think our opinions on this change. Like, how did you feel about A. Rod and Griffey leaving at the time compared to when you think about it today? Like, the, I'm sure there was some animosity, or maybe you were heartbroken. Like, those were you know the two best players in franchise history. But now understanding, like, I guess the business side or the human side of it. Like, what are your? Are you do you still feel as betrayed by them as you did when you were when it was happening? I mean, I I never felt betrayed by Griffey so much because it seemed like it was there was, you know, there was some, you know, uh, it it seemed like there there, there was stuff going on on both both sides, like both mm-hmm. the team and Griffey that made it you know untenable, and then it made sense to me that he wanted to be closer to his family and like, um. I don't know. It, yeah, it it and the fact that we got players back, you know, um, like uh, like Mike my, my Cameron, like yeah. that immediately contributed. It 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 stung a little bit less, but like, yeah, I don't know with a <laughs> Rod. I mean, because he was such like, uh, you know, he came through our system. Like he was supposed to be the next Griffey, right? Like he 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 was the the dude that like came out of our our. Um, the, the the draft and like you know it it uh i i st- it still doesn't make sense to me really that um i don't know yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean like the easy way to distill it is like oh well the rangers just gave him you know more money than god like who wouldn't take that but then you also start to think like I mean, you mentioned it. Like, he came up in our system. We were the only franchise that he knew. The Mariners were good at the time. Like, he, the Rangers were awful. Like, he could have stayed here mm-hmm. for less money and had a chance to straight up win the World Series, become, like, the most beloved player in Seattle sports history, and he just decided to not do that. And that was the hard part for me when it was happening. I was like, why would he want to go? And Safeco Field was brand new at that time, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything on paper was there for A-Rod to to play his whole career in Seattle, like to essentially be to the 2000s, what Russell Wilson has been to the 2010s. And instead he was like, no, I'm going to move to Texas, a division rival because they offered me $262 million or whatever it was like that. When I was, when I was analyzing it at the time as a kid, also I was pretty young. It was like, this guy's a, a jerk. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You can make money anywhere, you know? And then I got into like the throwing money thing at him again. I was a kid. I would not <laughs> probably have responded the same way as an adult, but like <laughs> when he came to town and everyone was billing and throwing money, I thought that was both funny and like a little bit deserved. And there's no way I would do any of that stuff now. But, like, 
I don't know. It's it's weird to have your brain sort of warped in that way by sports because that's also like sure. no other job do you even know that it's happening. People leave jobs all the time for more money, and like it's only sports and public facing things where we as the public feel like we have a right to get mad about it. You know? Yeah. I have another uh, summer camp related <laughs> story. Yeah. Um, so so a few years after that Edgar camp that I went to, um, my little brother won a contest from, uh, I think it was Lowe's Hardware, um, to go to Safeco to meet Alex Rodriguez, right? So yeah. I, I was his chaperone and I took him and, uh, and <laughs> just the difference between edgar's approach with the kids and like a rod you know like a rod comes out and he's like he's wearing like a suit or something you know he's not even like wearing his uniform and he comes out and he's like he's demonstrating how um you have to have like a light pivot foot when you're when you're swinging the bat and he's like you you have to be able to twist your 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 pivot foot light enough that you don't make a hole in a in a dollar bill so he like <laughs> he pulls out a big wad of cash, right? And oh he's like, God. oh, I don't, I don't have any ones, but here's $100. <laughs> and he puts it on the ground, he steps on it, and, and, he, and he demonstrates his swing, right? And I'm like, what an asshole. <laughs> so, for, <laughs> so from that moment, it was like, it was pretty clear that in where his, his uh, priorities were. I mean, if, if, he, if he went to the Yankees or to, to you know, like the who else Dodgers or something like it it, it would have made a little more sense like yeah he, he wants money but he also wants to win you know but like just to go to <laughs> go to the Rangers of all places like yeah. it, it, it just yeah I'll never understand it that is a great story though did he make a hole in the dollar bill do you remember no like, no 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 he's a he's a great great baseball player <laughs> yeah, know? He's that like, is yeah, true. he had a That's perfect very easy to forget <laughs> is like you could really make an argument for like A-Rod and Barry Bonds being probably the two greatest baseball players of all time absolutely but they're also both yeah. like universally known as assholes which is a bummer <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then also, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, you also have the complete opposite of that with Ichiro. Like, a bona fide superstar, undeniably one of the better baseball players ever. Uh-huh. And, like, the only stories we really heard about him were, like, how much he loved baseball and then how, like, sneaky, funny he was. Like, I don't know if there's a single bad story out there about Ichiro at all. What are you, what are you, like, what's your attachment level to Ichiro as someone because I'm like for me he was like the kid that I or he was the player that I watched growing up like he was basically mm-hmm. my Griffey because I was a little too young for most of Griffey's career and then I got to yeah. like, grow up with Ichiro so he's like basically like a god to me but I'm curious uh what he meant to you as a Mariner fan well so there were a few years after uh after 95 and we started going to the playoffs pretty regularly for uh-huh. a few years where I, I, I kind of lost interest just a little bit you know and uh, and um, well I just got more more you know in into my life you know just like in high school and stuff sure. and yeah you're becoming then, a person <laughs> uh, yeah becoming a person but then um, in uh, so in 2001 when Ichiro came over um my dad actually he um he was working in um Silicon Valley and then he lost his job in the dot com bust like in 
uh, the late 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was unemployed for a while, and then Ichiro came over, and there was this whole industry of, uh, you know, Japanese-related businesses that that he brought with him, you know. So um, he, my dad got a job at Safeco, actually, as a... Um, with a uh, with a Japanese uh, uh, broadcast uh, company wow. that sent uh, like it was just like a digital you know um, they they sent the actual TV signals over to Japan in real time you know because people were watching the games over there That's at hard, seven yeah. in the morning or whatever so um, yeah so it became like the, the the baseball actually became like our family. <laughs> you know like livelihood and uh and everything about Ichiro was just so like uh um I don't know he he, he embodied the Mariners to me in a lot of ways because it wasn't it, it was it was just about just like consistency just about showing up every day and just like doing your best and and <laughs> and not really like always getting the results that you want but just like just still keeping like uh you know like that professionalism that attitude and and I think that was really like misunderstood by a lot of fans that you know maybe thought that he was like off-putting or or wasn't as uh communicative or something but like yeah I, I just really admired his uh his uh and 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 also like I you know I I speak Japanese as well so I I would see some of the interviews that he would do for the Japanese media and his personality was like just totally different you know and um, I th- I don't think we got to see that fully um, in America until like um, like like that speech he gave uh, at his retirement you know when he spoke in English. Mm-hmm. like that that was like that's like his true self you know where he can just like really um but 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 you know the amount of preparation he put into that you know just like speaking english it wasn't it wasn't something that he just wanted to do like off the cuff you know like he really wanted to to perfect it <laughs> yeah and 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 you could really feel that you know so um yeah, I don't. It's it's a. Uh, I, I have a real personal connection to those Ichiro years. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I yeah. think to kind of tie this all together, like he was very prideful in a way that I think was in a direct, uh, like a direct opposition to the way that A Rod was prideful. Like you could tell that A Rod really cared about himself, and that's not necessarily mm-hmm. always a bad thing. But like he knew that he wanted to be. The highest paid player he wanted to win mvps eventually like when he went to the yankees he wanted to win championships and i think at least the vibe that i got from ichiro was like he took all of baseball and everything that surrounded it so seriously because he knew that that's what the fans deserved like he didn't want to shortchange anyone who right, cared right. about him that was sort of what i remember about watching ichiro i was like this guy is so like you said that sort of understated greatness showing up every day but yeah. you never got the sense that it was about him like his ego never really was something that anyone ever even considered like it seemed like he was doing baseball as a profession but also as like his 
like it was his duty almost or like his the thing he was put on earth to do was to make people happy through baseball whereas you had some in every sport you have some athletes who realize they're good at the sport and then want that to just be the way to elevate themselves you know what i mean sure and I, i see a lot of similarities with uh with like russell wilson the way he the way he runs the ball for instance you know like he he's exciting and can do all the things that like you know like a player like cam newton could do mm-hmm. but like he he takes really calculated risks you know to like not get injured and and ichiro was always like that like he 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 could crash into walls and and um you know go for like really crazy catches and stuff but like he was always like calculating like in the moment like what is the bigger picture like <laughs> how do i stay in the season as long as i can right and just yeah. and just that amount of like uh, uh just bigger picture shit that like um you could see him like working through in his head that i thought was really like fascinating you know and i think it was it was uh, the reason a lot of people were like really frustrated with him, you know, because he he could hit home runs and he could you know like um, slide for you know more difficult catches and stuff, yeah. but it it was never about like highlight highlight reels with him. Like he just he wanted to perform, you know, as high at a level as he could for uh, as many games as he could, and that's how he would help the team out you know yeah i think that's the biggest bummer about ichiro and felix's career and the way that they unfolded like they were really just a victim of bad timing more than anything else because Mm -hmm. i mean ichiro gets the one playoff year in his rookie year and then felix gets like teams that are contending for the playoffs as he himself is declining and like both of them are doing the exact thing you talked about of like trying to to put out like the best version of themselves and like really giving their all to this but not getting i guess the full extent of the experience because their team is limiting them so much so i guess my question to you then is what do you like what did those those lean years of i guess we can call it like the mid to late 2000s and then the early Uh 2010s what did those do to you as a fan knowing that opening day almost every year that the mariners have no shot and unless something crazy happens they're not going to have much of a shot the year after that like how does that over and over again sort of wear on you as a person um i mean if anything those years like made my my love for the team stronger i feel like you know (laughs) no absolutely that's been a common thing i mean yeah (laughs) with any adversity it's kind of a fight or flight thing like you're either yeah get even more into it or you're just gonna bail and i think that both are totally understandable with the mariners but i'm always curious to hear what yeah. people say. well here's a crazy thing like so in 2006 i think uh or five um it, we were having a really terrible season uh but uh my you know my dad was working at safeco and he had a brain aneurysm and um and then he had to um, go to Japan to get 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 it operated on. So um, while he was gone, um, I actually took over his job, um, you know, because they just needed someone who um, 
understood his job and could speak Japanese. So I, 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 I ended up working at Safeco for like half a season. <clears throat> so I, you know, I got to sit, you know, where, where my dad <laughs> would just sit and watch the games day after day. <laughs> and, and it was, it, they were not a good team, you know, it was just like watching them lose day after day. But, but still, like, you know, Ichiro was there just, like, doing his job. Felix was there just, like, it. there was something just, like, uh, I don't know. It just, it, it gave me comfort, you know? Like, yeah. it was it was a really scary time. Like, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with my dad and, you know. Um, but, uh, oh, and then, and then one day... Um, you know, I was I was going up to the press room because uh, you know they give us free hot dogs in the press room. That of was course, one of the yeah. perks perks of the job. <laughs> so I was going up in the going up in the elevator, and then Dave Niehaus got on, Oof. right? And and it was just the two of us in the in the elevator. And I remember he was wearing a pink shirt, you know, <laughs> a pink polo shirt, and he just he, you know he he looked like he 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 looked like Dave that yeah. dude you know and then and then i um I, I really wanted to talk to him but i was i was supposed to be working you know i was trying to be professional so i, I just said hi and he's like he said <laughs> he said hey there and uh i don't know i i, I just all the f- feelings that i had you know just like listening to him uh you know as a kid <laughs> just like came up and um yeah I, I i had a pretty good cry that night but uh but that 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 still like stays with me to this day and i th- I, th- I think he passed away a couple of years after that dave did um yeah. and i um i to this day like wish i would have said something more to him you know but uh um I don't know. It 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 felt like baseball was was there for me, like when I needed it most, you know, like at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And and, and um, yeah. So so my love for the Mariners <laughs> is 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 pretty like um, uh, just closely tied to to my family, and 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 uh, it's. Yeah, it's a personal thing. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> I totally know what you're saying about like there is something so sort of startling about when you meet someone that's that famous or that important in your life and like you said they look like them they sound like them like they're everything mm-hmm. that you would totally expect like there's no because sometimes when you you think when you're going to meet a famous person that there's going to be like they're going to feel so different there's going to be like a big well of excitement but then you especially in a one-on-one situation like you were in an elevator like yeah obviously yeah. he's just a guy <laughs> like he's not gonna he's not gonna have like a different voice or a different look but seeing it actualized right in front of you can be so striking i totally i know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about with that and then you you do freeze up like there's nothing you can really say that you would think in your mind would do any justice to the feeling that you have yeah yeah i uh one of the most like because i think like something very um specific to to sports is like these these things that mean so much to you that other people like literally will have never heard of sometimes like <laughs> people know the Mariners obviously and like I think most people in the area like would be like oh yeah Ken Griffey Ichiro I know who that is but Dave Niehaus is one of those perfect examples of like some people like worship him and he's like a huge figure in their life like probably you and me and then there's also mm-hmm. people who have no idea who he is and I remember like some, like, you know, when you're just having, like, you know, random conversations or you're doing, like, some icebreaker or there's, like, a weird situation where people are asking you questions and, like, one that's I've gotten before is, like, oh, what celebrity death impacted you the most? And I thought about uh-huh. it and I was, like, well, it's probably Dave Niehaus. Like, yeah, and people yeah. are, like, I that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, explain. And then I'm, like, oh, he was, you know, you say it out loud and it sounds kind of funny. You're like, oh, he's a baseball announcer. He did play-by-play for the Mariners. But, like, you know, he, he wasn't, like a rock star or anything like that like nothing that you would think would really like shake a person to their core the way that he did but when he died I remember thinking like oh this is a huge part of me and the reason why I am in some ways the way I am like why I love baseball so much why I like thinking and talking about baseball so much is because I watched and listened to Dave Niehaus do it for so long and you know definitely at certain points in my life were like I want to be him and then when he was gone it was it was tough. So, yeah, you I'm glad that we have a space to talk about this. That's not like, oh, you know, getting <laughs> saying it at a bar or whatever. And people look at you like you're you know, your head is on fire or something like that. Totally, man. And 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 the base, the fact that the baseball season is so long, you know, like and there's yeah. so many games. Right. So you probably spent more time listening to his voice than, you know, like watching a like a Tom Cruise movie or something. Right. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> even though he's way more famous like it, it the 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 level of a uh, like intimacy or like the um you know connection you feel to a person's personality and and voice like yeah i mean he was the best man like and and you know that's the beauty of baseball i think is just it's it's storytelling you know it's like there's it's slow it's a slow game and there's and there's and there's room for that. There's room for people to, um, kind of, people like Dave, the masters, you know, that can like tell those stories and build those, those, uh, relationships, um, between the fans and the players. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a huge misconception about this too, because I mean, I'm sure you heard it, but like one of the big narratives around baseball now is how, young people are losing interest in it and how it's not as exciting as the NBA or the NFL. And then some of the sort of conversations within that have to do with, you know, the actual broadcast. And if 
You know, like I've heard people say like, oh, every broadcast team should have someone under 40 or they should have someone who, you know, is like sort of, I guess, the avatar of youth. And I'm like, that's, you know, it's, that's an idea, but it really is just about quality. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like, you know, Dave right. Niehaus by the end was old. Vin Scully was in his 80s and he was still the best at what he did. So like, yeah. I think it's a, a misconception for everyone to think like, not everyone, but for the people of this school of thought to be like, you know, the game is dying because all the announcers are in their 60s. It's like, no, those those announcers aren't connecting with people because they're not as good as at their job as other people. Like, it's not complicated. It's not like you have to have, you know, someone who looks and sounds like every kid in America for them to like it. If you have Dave Niehaus, who's a master storyteller, mm-hmm. you're going to connect with kids. Like, I think a lot of times you people are looking past the problem in, in situations like these. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, uh, there's like a shared history, you know, (laughs) and like, and, 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 um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, you know, like going back to like, uh, just like ancient cultures, you know, just like, uh, passing down, you know, it's oral histories or something, you know, it, it really feels like that it's, 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 it's passing down, the game from one generation to the next and maybe that's kind of what's getting lost is you know we're so focused on like the instant gratification of of uh yeah i don't know when it went off the rails really but like it's it's not about just like the home runs and the 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 you know championships and stuff it's just like it's it's about those the the local teams that don't <laughs> don't always win but like you know uh yeah, yeah i mean i th- i think the for me when when it got like when all the uh games moved um off of um uh what was it like uh just basic tv and onto like cable and like it you know you you weren't sure what channel the games were going to be on even like uh-huh. yeah that that yeah that really like kind of um fragmented my my um uh focus on on the game i think like there's you know there's like I think right now with like um in all the different media outlets it's just like it's 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 hard to feel a a kinship to like one team you know and 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 maybe that's good in some ways because the like games are growing and more people are in the world are seeing it but like you know it's it used to be you just like watch watch your team <laughs> you know listen to like your radio like whatever you were able to receive on uh-huh. the, I just feel like an old guy. <laughs> no, I I, I a, see what you're getting at though, because it is. I think for me that that thing that you're talking about can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. Like knowing that, because I like you know I've subscribed to MLB TV, so I because I want to watch baseball. I love baseball, so I want to have as much yeah. of it as possible. And like when I realized that like that was just basically an avenue to not watching the Mariners, it did sort of turn me off. Like, I realized in some of those bad Mariner seasons, last year is a perfect example. Like, I realized that when I came home, like, yeah, I could watch the Mariners or I could check in on the other teams who sometimes (laughs) have, you know, this is not to shade the Mariners broadcasters or anything like that, but, like, some of them have more interesting or it's just different. Like, you know, it feels 
it feels fun because it's different. So I remember when I first, you know, this was, I guess, six years ago or so when I first uh, got MLB TV. I was like, oh, I can just listen to Vin Scully every night. Of course I'm going to do that. Or John Miller, who does the Giants broadcast. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, knowing that that was there and then actually realizing that you could do it every night, like really opened my eyes to the fact that baseball can be something beyond just your local team. And it still has the same, like it's put that same feeling in my chest listening to Vin Scully as it did listening to Dave Niehaus, even if Vin Scully was talking about a Dodgers reliever who I'd literally never heard of in my entire life. Right. I was like, this is this to me is the same thing. And I feel at ease, even if I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love baseball, but like I, I think I'm more of a Mariners fan than I am a baseball fan, though. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it, it's every I know every <laughs> Minutia of like you know, just like Mariners trivia, but when it comes to like other teams and stuff, you know, it's it's a pretty like basic knowledge of just like, um, or I'm I'm always like a couple years behind, <laughs> you know, uh, on like the rest of the league. I feel like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. To each, each their own, I guess. So one thing I wanted to uh, to ask you about, because I think you have kind of a unique perspective on this um, as a musician, is I was wondering if you ever see any parallels between baseball and music. Because like I've always thought for musicians, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you reach a certain point where listening to music isn't necessarily the same thing as it used to be. Like, I'm sure you're listening to music sometimes and noticing the technical side or analyzing chord progressions or whatever. And that, for me, is as someone who now is covering the Mariners and thinking about them more than I ever have in my life, is like when I'm watching them now, it's not the same purity of fandom as when I was a kid. It starts to feel a little more like a job or an obligation. So I guess, do you still feel the unbridled, fandom that you started with or has it worn down and then also do you ever think about baseball like oh this is similar to you know if someone's struggling at the plate it's like oh this is when I'm you know I feel this way when I can't figure out a song or I can't get this sound right like how do you ever feel those two parts of your brain coming together yeah yeah all the time I think it's the you know, going back to Ichiro, just like the the consistency of his approach, I <laughs> I, I I feel like uh, you know I I think about that a lot when I'm when I'm looking at my music career and like you know not getting like instant results or something like if anything like it's it's made me really appreciate the 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 craft of of baseball. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, just yeah. just like a well-crafted song you know it uh it might not be the the flashiest thing but like the the people who are in it for the long haul you know like my favorite one of my favorite songwriters is Ron Sexsmith he's a Canadian guy and uh not too many people have heard of him but he 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 puts out just really like just great albums year after year and 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 the songs are just like perfectly formed and uh and 
it, it yeah it feels like it feels like an each row at bat you know just like <laughs> just singles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh I, maybe that's why maybe that's why i love the mariners so much you know because like i mean i i haven't i haven't had like a huge success but there's been like moments of 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 joy and like uh of uh of, you know small moments of triumph <laughs> on uh you know um, at at my level you know what i mean but like yeah. it 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 really feels like uh each each moment feels earned <laughs> hard no, earned you that, know yeah. and uh and i i feel that way about the mariners it's just like it's it's i don't know how i'm going to feel you know if and when they actually win the world series you know it's just like i I hope it's um I hope it's not like the Astros, you know. I I hope it's like I hope it's clean and I hope it's just like they work their asses off and 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 get some luck and uh and uh you know just with a really great team of uh personalities that like that people can relate to and you know, I, th- I really believe that that's kind of, that's the, the Seattle that I believe in, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's not the, it's not just like bringing in the biggest names or the, the throwing money at a problem. Like I, I feel like, you know, just the, the small steps, the incremental improvements, um, are, are so, um, so much more satisfying and um and uh yeah i mean that's how i view view my music as well i think so yeah no i get it i think (laughs) i like as you were saying it i was like this all actually does make a lot of sense because i think the mariners are like the mlb equivalent of you know the the i don't want to say struggling artist but like the artist (laughs) who has you know their their passionate fan base who love them and even if they're not you know, they're, they're Rolling Stones or whatever. And then the Mariners, I guess, have had their two huge songs in 95 and 2001. <laughs> but, but the rest are, uh, right. are mostly just for the, for the hardcore fans, you know. And, like, it is – the Mariners really are, now that I'm thinking about it more, like, they are not for everyone. Like, it's hard to be a sports fan of a team that sucks, you know. Like, it's very uh-huh. easy to, to listen, you know, to the Mariners, I guess, to continue the metaphor, to, like – listen to their album and be like, there was, you know, maybe one thing I liked on there. <laughs> like, right, that's, right. <laughs> that's been most of their teams. It's like, you know, I like each yeah. I like Felix, but I don't need this, you know, I don't need this Ben Broussard song on here or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and now I guess like this is an interesting time for the Mariners too, because they have so many young guys that were kind of watching all of them put their careers together in real time. Like, yeah. I was, uh, not to brag or anything, but I was, I went on television and talked about how Kyle Lewis feels like, you know, he, we heard his debut album and now the next step is what does the second <laughs> album sound like? And that can be so hard for athletes and musicians, I imagine, to have sustained success after the first big thing that gets everyone's attention. You know what I mean? Do you ever do that with players where you're like, oh, I bet, you know, they're good, but they need to really improve upon this. Like if they added, you know, this sound or, you know, maybe if like the team is good, but they need a better drummer. Like, do you ever think yourself, find yourself thinking about baseball in those terms? Um, 
I guess the the question like yeah, if, 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 if kind of the other way around, yeah. Like when yeah. I look at bands, you know, like <laughs> or like when I look at a like a a set list, you know, okay, I definitely yeah. think think about it in, in in a in baseball terms, you know, like you got to have the leadoff hitter and then the the the, the you know like the, the 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 scrappy number two hitter that can like advance the runner and then the track three is always going to be the the best <laughs> uh-huh. the, the the big hitter and then the cleanup you know and like it, it yeah it does influence um your your way of thinking for sure you know yeah that's actually funny the set list thing i think is actually pretty spot on because you do like yeah the first one is the attention grabber and they need to set the table and then you know the third one is usually right. the hit. like they yeah. actually might be onto something there and then you have also like you know, as you know, like there's way more to the set list or the lineup than just those nine things. Like you have, you know, Scott Service, I guess, would be the the producer, <laughs> and Jerry Depoto is the record exec, and all that. Like sure. there really yeah, is a yeah, lot yeah. more to baseball than just baseball. Just like there's a lot more to the music you hear than just the instruments on the song. Yeah, and there's there's people at every level, and um, um you know it's 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 a team sport you know it's just like no matter how good a player is it still takes <laughs> you you got to have the rest of the you know the roster and and the and the coaches and there's there's <laughs> you know i mean there's there's so many places where it could go wrong you know which is kind of the story of the mariners right. but like but when it does go right, it's just it's it's such uh, it it feels good, you know. It it it's uh, it's a journey that you get to go on with uh, with all these players. So yeah, yeah. And I think when that journey happens, you start to feel connected to them. Like you feel like you know them the way you know your favorite musician because you've spent so much time with them or they've been, you know, for the Mariners, they've been basically in your living room. And it's like, I get it. I see these guys have worked so hard. I love the product they put out. And now I feel like I get to be a part of it. I think that's kind of the, the beauty of both baseball and art is feeling like you, like something that millions of people are consuming can also feel like it was made especially for you. Absolutely, yeah, and that's why you know that's why I have hope for Taiwan. You know, like if <laughs> if he's gonna make a comeback, like Seattle's the place that he needs to be, like doing it. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, you you're preaching to the choir. I think we're all we're all rooting for Taiwan to have a, a late career resurgence. You know, have it's not even have, that late though, right? Like, how old is? Well, he I guess like? yeah. I guess I was <laughs> thinking in music terms. You know, like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. This is not not that late for him he just had you know he had a rough patch i guess and injuries are such a a part of sports too like you can't really prepare for that the same way a musician could prepare the next couple albums but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm, we're all, I'm we're still all waiting wait. for taiwan i'm still waiting for the dustin ackley uh comeback you know <laughs> <laughs> it's coming I think, coming one of these days <laughs> i think he would have to completely change everything he'd have to do a full a full transformation because sadly i mean that oh, swing man. just it didn't seem to work at all and i think he'd have to start from the ground up with a whole new yeah. whole new production team and find you know a new sound and all that for it to, for it to really work <laughs> i still keep watching like uh youtube videos of his rookie season and he had, he had such a beautiful swing just like a I know. really natural. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but, 
but like he was such a natural hitter, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to really know what happened, but it seems like I mean the common thread seems to be Jack Zarenzik, unfortunately. Like that whole era you really didn't uh, have besides Kyle Seeger, you didn't really have any of the prospects work out and you have to think that at a certain point it's the people in charge who are somewhat responsible yeah. for that. Yeah. But who knows? Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to get get you thinking about that at the very end, but <laughs> the Jack Zarenzik <laughs> years are not a great mental spot to be. Zarenzik, that's another guy I rode an elevator with, but uh, is not happy at all about that one. Yeah, that's not as fun <laughs> as the Dave Niehaus story. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, Tomo, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think that uh, the people at home will agree, and I'm glad that we got to to get this in before the season starts because I think when you have this much downtime, all like your thoughts about the Mariners are much different than when you're thinking about the actual wins and losses. You know what I mean? Because that can really start to cloud your vision. Yeah. If we were to do this like in after a six game losing streak, I'm sure it'd be <laughs> a little bit of a different vibe. So yeah. Awesome. Thanks for making well, time. And uh, before yeah. I let you go, I want to, uh, the floor is yours to plug whatever you want to plug, direct people to your social media or your work or any of your upcoming concerts. Uh, this is your time to brag about yourself. Uh, yeah. So I have a new album called Melon Day. It's uh, it's kind of a synth pop dance album, which I've never done before, but uh, it's coming out on uh, April 7th. And then the uh, the album release show is going to be on April 30th at the Sunset uh, with Night Tapes and uh, and another band. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun year, I think. Um, and um, I hope it'll be a fun year of baseball as well. <laughs> Let's hope. I mean, <laughs> I have higher hopes for your albums than I do for the 2020 Mariners. But it's cool that I guess I know, it comes out. I mean. Yeah early in the season like you know it's kind of you're starting you know it's like an opening day almost like you're starting right around the same time unleashing it on the world and then you get spring and summer to sit with it like that's that seems pretty cool i'm sure that wasn't your thought but you know me with my baseball (laughs) mind was like oh that's cool (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah and i'm looking forward to seeing the young guys come up you know like like kellenick and sheffield and it's just going to be a um an exciting season really like uh it's fresh start you know yeah, I feel like there's there's some poetry to this being the first season of a new decade. Like the 2020s, I feel like are really going to be the the rebirth of the Mariners. I mean, I hope at least because yep. yep. when we got close to the playoffs in 2016 and 2018, like you could still feel the window closing because we had an aging roster and we had guys yeah, on yeah. short contracts. But now seeing, I'm personally thrilled to see, even if it doesn't work, just to see what happens when we have a team of our guys and I think this is the first year of that so yep I know people are going to disagree with that people do not want to hear about patience when it comes to the Mariners but (laughs) that's all we can really do at this point that's all we got it is all we got well you can follow me on Twitter at mroberson22 subscribe to this podcast read Lookout Landing uh, support the Seattle Mariners in sickness and health and all that good stuff And until next week or whenever I talk to you again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tomo, and goodbye.